Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. I had to fail, had to fall, just for what I did well. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, World Cup Daily, day 41. Day 41 of the tournament, day 40 of days that we've done daily shows in this tournament because we didn't do a daily show on the Monday because we put out a history program about the 1999 World Cup semi-final, which seemed relevant. Australia, South Africa, they'll be playing the second semi. India and New Zealand playing the first semi. Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins with you. The show brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. And, uh, well, we have two semi-finals. We have a day to talk about them, so we thought, why not? have a little preview. Why not look at these teams we've been watching over the last six weeks or so and just, just test the waters, just just pop the temperature, maybe put the thermometer in a few places, maybe maybe some more, more conventional than others and see what the temperature reading is, see which way the wind is blowing, see where the currents flow in the waters of the Cricket World Cup and whichever other tortured metaphor that we can try to build up over the next 20 minutes. Adam, Hello to you. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm excited. I'm. Uh, I'm big Kev. Mm-hmm. Uh, the. Uh, you know, you, it's a long group stage, 45 games, uh, and that's okay. Uh, it, it should be at a, at a um, showpiece event like this. I, I'm not one of these people that thinks the World Cup should be over in two weeks and knockout games straight away. I, I'm. I'm okay with it being as long as it is, but it does mean that we do only have three knockout games, and there is so much riding on them. And you know, the one at Eden Gardens, Jeff, feels different to me than the one at Old Trafford four years ago. You know. We rocked up to that one, and even though New Zealand had sort of spluttered their way into the semifinals, India didn't feel like the dominant beast. Mm. They didn't feel like the, uh, the 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 sort of side that was unbeatable like they do right now. Right now, they feel like a side that can do whatever they see fit. They bowled teams out seven of nine times. Every statistical category with the ball, they're leading on. All mm-hmm. their batters are in form. All their batters have made a score. Most of them made runs as recently as Sunday in that game against the Netherlands. And it feels more like everything needing to break New Zealand's way than it would have been the case four years ago when it was an unusual game of cricket across two days, but the teams felt more even as a starting point. 
it doesn't feel this way uh, ahead of the semi mm. at Eden Gardens. I mean, that was still a very good Indian side in 2019, and they had had a dominant group stage as well. You know, they they were the team that should have should have comfortably made it according to expectations and according to preconceived ideas. Um, and I remember I remember both of us sitting there watching Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor on the go slow, being like, "What are you doing? Like, stop, just stop." poking around and they were like nah it's cool we only need 240 we've got this um and they were almost right two games running but it's it's this strangeness of the situation that we're currently in like like yes india have have bossed the tournament there is it's it's hard to think of a team at a particular moment in time um where where every position in that team is locked and is good and has been performing uh, mm. the the collective strength of the fast bowling, the fact that there's no weak bowler to target. I mean, it's 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 just the lack of the all round option, I guess that that is the problem. But out of the bowlers they've got, there's nobody who you think will that that bowler might go the distance and might need to be replaced because they've all been performing so well. But all of those things said, that's when teams can still get knocked over because that's the vagaries of knockout cricket, right? It's it's this. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I'm with you to a point that the World Cup doesn't need to be run and done in two weeks, but this format sucks in terms of actually having a coherent approach because it's played as a league effectively. So you're getting these sort of arguments from people now saying, oh, well, it's unfair if the the team that's dominated the league stage gets knocked out immediately and they should have a McIntyre Final Five kind of system where they go straight through to the final or whatever it is. That's a league. There's there's a name for that and it's it's a league. We have that. That's what they that's what the arguments in the Big Bash have been about because it's called the BBL. It is the Big Bash League. Those are different to cups. Cups are knockout competitions. Um, and we have all of this lead up and then four days of knockout cricket, three games of knockout cricket. It seems bizarre, and it and it would be super frustrating if you're an Indian supporter and they made it to the semis and got knocked out. You think, well, it is unfair because they have been the dominant side. They've been the dominant side in a league, not in a knockout cup competition, and so so that's the difference, um, and 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 that's where it's going to be a shift because okay, they've won these nine, but they they need to win the next two, and and, and there's no going back from that. I agree with you that the format's rubbish. Uh, Ten teams playing each other once uh, means that we've had a long stretch of time knowing that India were going to qualify, for example, and it would have required a a whole series of very unlikely scenarios or very unlikely um, uh, things to play out consecutively for that not to be the case. So next time around in 2027 with two groups of seven and a Super Six is better because there's more jeopardy earlier on. Um, But I I can... you know, at a pinch, I can see the case for first and second getting a double chance and playing um, one semi-final and three and four playing the other one, and the second or the first semi-final, the, the elimination final, um, playing the, the loser of first versus second, and, and effectively a double chance being built in owing to the way this league's set up. But we've never had that in World Cups. There's always needed to. There's always been an elimination game to make the final, and so mm. it is this time. So. Um, and India will need to hold their nerve. They've not won an ICC trophy since 2013. That is baggage they carry around heavily. Um, we know uh, how much it's pained them to have had strong teams not make it through. My, my distinction between this tournament and 2019 is that, you know, Virat Kohli wasn't dominating in 2019. There was still a sense that, and, you know, there is so much, um, there's so much on his shoulders with his own personal performance. With him not blitzing it, it was all about Rohit four years ago. By the mm. way, Rohit's got a strike rate of 121 in this tournament. He's doing everything he needs to do again, second World Cup in a row where he's been brilliant. 
Um, but it felt like they were just a little bit more vulnerable and so it proved them. Mm. They've done the work. Like India have played a lot of one-day cricket since then. They've used a lot of players since then. They've tried a lot of combinations and they've had a lot of depth. So Hardik Pandya missing out uh, through injury for the pointy stage of this tournament and Ravi Chandu and Ashwin not making the final cut or the, the final 11. That shows just how strong they are, that they can pull out two senior brilliant cricketers mm. and look almost no weaker for it. Yep. Yeah, it, it feels like almost like the only way you can get into this Indian team is if one of the bowlers breaks down. Like that's that's the one way that something can stuff up, you know, if if Mohammed Siraj does a calf muscle after three overs, then then there's some trouble, right? Then 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 they don't have a fallback from that point. But as long as they're up and running and the kind of way that they're bowling at the moment, it's hard to see like I, I, can't, I can't actually I have quite a good imagination I can't imagine at the moment Muhammad Shami being clobbered well, like I can't see it it's not to say it couldn't happen but I can't picture it because because he's bowling so well that you couldn't take him on you can't really see Jadeja being taken down to a huge extent um, and, and, and if it if it is to happen it's got to be it's got to be something unexpected it's got to be like Mark Chapman does it you know makes make 60 off 37 um, and brings out the reverses and the paddles and takes down the spin um, or, a, or a Jimmy Nisham Selvo down the order if, if he's in the 11 like this is it, it's got to be something unexpected at this stage or it has to be a Williamson masterclass of the kind that he's produced before. I don't quite see it that way. I reckon that yeah, my imagination goes simply to if New Zealand win the toss. Hmm. Um, at the work, rest and play where it is better to bat first. We know it's going to be hot based on the forecast. The only human being who's been capable of chasing successfully at this ground in the tournament is Glenn Maxwell. He's not playing in this game. He's playing in the other one. So um, if you bat first and make the most of it, the dew after dark, we've seen how effective that can be for fast bowlers. Southie and Bolt both have a great record against Rohit Sharma. I know we can reach for these things when we wish to as analysts on the game, mm. but it, it's not for nothing that they know how to get Rohit out. And New Zealand's top order, um, they've got a very steady cricketer in Devon Conway who knows how to bat the whole way through in innings. Uh, Rachin Ravindra, who has been dying to play a game at Mumbai, as he said in the in the pre-match press conference, like this is his dream come true, playing India at Mumbai. Kane Williamson, who is... Um, the cool customer the whole way through and fit at the moment. Daryl Mitchell, who steps up in big games and has done so since playing for New Zealand. And then, as you say, maybe one of the finishers. So if they can lay a foundation with the top four is where I'm getting to, mm. and they can get to 300 and something, and one of Phillips or Chapman or indeed Sartner can come off at the end and they can get a three in front of their score and they can get early wickets with the lights on and the dew mm. there and the, the new ball moving around, that is the scenario where they can they can mess things up. If India get to bat first, on the other hand, um, it's going to take a miracle, I reckon. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, a fair bit comes down to, I think, with with chasing, because we know that India are clinical with chasing. We've talked about the Kohli stats before, averaging near on 100 in winning run chases, 20-plus um, centuries in winning run chases, you know, insane, insane kind of numbers yep. that he's put together. But India haven't had to chase a big target in this World Cup. That's the one thing. You know, they've chased 250 to 280 mm. kind of scores. They haven't chased 320 to 350 kind of scores. And we know they can do it, and we know we've seen them do it, and we've seen Coley do it, and he doesn't always bat as in as reserved a fashion as he's been allowed to because he's been able to, to chase those smaller targets through this World Cup. But they haven't had to do it recently, and so sometimes there's that. There, there might be that that lack of recent muscle memory, right? That that once 
once that required rate starts to gear up and the pressure of the situation and the crowd and all the rest of it, um, if you're saying to Surya Kamayadav, oh, okay, we now need you to go at eight and a half and over from the point that you come in in the 32nd in a run chase, mm. that's a different thing to we need you to go at 10 and over in the 42nd over coming in batting first. Um, they're different situations. So that that's the only slight caveat, but I just, I just think that <clears throat> through that 11... There's no weakness, um, and and the only the only way I can find a weakness is if it comes through misfortune, through injury. As for injury, I mean, uh, New Zealand have had a lot of them, um, but they're fully fit now. The Lockie Ferguson Achilles problem seems to have cleared itself up, and we know he's got that extra yard. Um, I'm not sure who gets that final bowling spot. The fact that Matt Henry's not there stands out to me. Um, Tim Southey is a, a lesser version of himself than he used to be, and it hurts me to say that because in conjunction, in tandem with Bolt, they've formed such a dynamic yeah. opening or well, a new ball partnership over many, many years, over well over a decade now. But um, I feel like New Zealand with Matt Henry is a lot stronger than New Zealand with Tim Southey at the moment. So mm. that's the other piece to this. With the ball, um, they're asking a lot, of Ratchan Ravindra and Glenn Phillips. Glenn Phillips has been the better of the two, and Ratchan Ravindra is a much better bowler now than he was a couple of months ago in England, believe you me. Um, but um, yep. yeah, fifth bowler for England, a bit make that New Zealand even. Um, if India get the bat first, I'd be surprised if they don't take 100 off the fifth bowler, um, you know, collectively. Um, that, that would be the sort of thing that India could aim for with a batting lineup that has the depth of, you know, Judasia at mm. um, seven uh, and, and everything that comes before it. And Judasia's barely been required with the bat in this competition because they've been so strong up top and, and been able to um, lose so few wickets along the way. Yeah, I, I think my, my gut feeling with New Zealand is that they're, they're flattered by where they've ended up given the way the table panned out. You know, they lost four in a row, they lost to the other top four teams and the team that finished fifth um, and they had some misfortune in those situations in the Australia game and the the Pakistan rain reduction and all the rest of it um, but they're still a team that have managed to sneak in where had other teams done the jobs that they were expected to do then New Zealand wouldn't have qualified so I think they're, they're, they're a team with much to admire but in the same way as they get underrated a lot they also get overrated a bit if that's not contradictory by people saying oh well but they're so they they always find a way i i can't see them finding a way this week but we'll see why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. In the second semi-final at Eden Gardens, uh, Australia and South Africa, which feels a far closer contest. They both finished the group stage, uh, only losing two games. South Africa pounded Australia back before they found their mojo in the second game mm. of the tournament about five and a half weeks ago. So it doesn't have a lot of relevance to what we're going to talk about here. We know that Eden Gardens might spin, which, well, has spun, sorry. So it should spin in the semi, which might um, give uh, South Africa pause for thought with Shamsi, who played the group stage game there. Although Kutsi has been so good that leaving him out would feel wrong. We're not entirely sure about the injury um, with Teba Bavuma, nor do we really know if Lungi and Gidi is good to go at this stage. They mm -hmm. both picked up niggles in the final group game back on Friday. So it'll be a six-day break between their final group game and the, the semi against Australia. And for the Australians, the, the major decision they have to make is do they go with the extra depth of Marcus Stoinis, another finishing option down the list, 
uh, or do they go with more uh, a more conventional setup? I suppose with Marnus Labuschagne, who's played their last 17 one dayers on the trot. I reckon it's all going to come down to conditions, and well, it'll come down to weather um, a fair bit as well because there's you know storms brewing off the Bay of Bengal, Adam, um, and yeah. I'll be heading out there pretty soon as well, and. There's like there's a fair bit of rain forecast for the night of the game. They have a reserve day available for it. Um, there's rain forecast on that day as well. I mean, if the whole thing gets washed out, South Africa go through, which would be kind of funny yep. given all of their misfortune <laughs> in World Cup knockouts if they finally had one go their way and, and were able to get to the final without firing a shot. Um, if it doesn't, obviously they need they only need 20 overs a side, but the way that cricket works, right, if they have time, to play the 50 overs of the first innings and then zero overs in the second innings, that's what they'll do um, because you know weather prediction isn't accurate enough to actually shorten games preemptively. So they'll, they'll go ahead and mm. bowl whatever overs they can until it starts to rain, if that's possible. Um, who knows? But I, I suppose if it's a shortened game, you're more likely to need a stoyness than a Labuschagne, put it that way. Um, and and the, the incredible run of fortune that Labuschagne's had where every time he's been about to be pushed out, somebody else has had a, an injury or an issue and created a space for him to stay in that side. He almost played his best game against Bangladesh um, just with what he did in the field. He was so important in not that they needed to win that game, but um, he really showed his value as a fielder as well. Like, I think, honestly, I think if I'm picking that team right now, I'm picking him ahead of Smith in that spot for the, the kind of strike rotating player because Smith's been a bit patchy and, and not not quite his usual self. I mean, I know it feels sacrilegious to say it and I'm worried that someone's going to kick the door down of this room and come in and take me to Australian jail for saying that out loud. But that's that's almost where it's at. Um, but but Labuschagne has scored slowly through the World Cup and it's, it's whether they need a player who can do that when you're up against South Africa where so much of it's just coin toss. And I know like I expressed some annoyance early in this tournament at how people talk about sport in terms of just what has happened in the last couple of games. But with this South African team, it is so stark that they bat first, they make 400. They bat second, they shit themselves. I mean, they made 80 against India. They got bowled out against the Dutch chasing and lost. They should have got bowled out against Pakistan. They were nine down and the decision wasn't given and they probably should have lost that game. Um, And they were very ropey chasing down a mid-range score against Afghanistan, you know, lost lost most of their batting order, their specialist bats, five down, and could well have lost that game as well. So they've been all over the place batting second. Mm. And I've, I've never known a match, certainly a 50-over game, where I feel like so much is riding on which way the coin falls. Yeah, I agree. Um, South Africa, you know, they chased down to 60-odd on Friday and, like, maybe just having Andile Pelequeo play some big shots towards the end might fill them with a little bit of confidence mm. in the chase, but... Yeah, you're right. The toss means an awful lot. It does liberate Klaassen and Miller being able to come in with 10 overs to go and do as they've done throughout the tournament with complete freedom in a similar way to how Maxwell can bat when he knows his role. It's so well-defined what he needs to do in a situation mm. like that. Just on the Stoinis, um labuschagne Smith thing, I agree with you. I, I, I would, If it were me, um, I'd, be, I'd be more bullish on Labuschagne um, and I know the stats don't bear that out. I know his strike rate is less than Smith's in the tournament. But every other measure is about the same. And I just think he brings so much in the field. And I said this a couple of days ago. Stoinis, there seems to be some energy around whether he should actually take the new ball because he traditionally has been a bowler who generates more swing than than most other Australian seamers. And Mm -hmm. he's barely been used with the ball in the whole group stage. I think he's bowled 16 overs across the six or seven matches that he's played. Um, So 
will they make a punt? Will they take a punt like that and change up dramatically? And it would be a dramatic change. And the reason we're even talking about that is that the uh, the stark new ball thing has not worked anywhere near as well this time as it has in the two previous editions of the 50 over World Cup. He's taking his wickets in the 40s. He's going at nearly seven and over. He didn't play against Bangladesh. He'll come straight back in. He's a match winner, but it'll be a big day for Mitchell Stark. Can he step up and do as he's done before? Uh, and I don't think it's as, as big a deal with Cummins and Hazelwood. They're playing a different role. Um, they could conceivably bowl in the middle overs and, and you know, in, in Hazelwood's case, landed in a shoebox. In Cummins' case, be more of an enforcer. But, mm. you know, the outside chance, they take a punt with Stoinis and the distinct probability that Maxwell bowls in the power plates. We've seen that through the tournament. They hold Zampa back and they use Maxwell and try and get overs out of him earlier. Um, they've relied on Maxwell a lot as the fifth bowler. Um, they may view it that Maxwell, with a little bit of Mitch Marsh um, sprinkled in, mm-hmm. could be sufficient to take the punt if they don't intend on using Stoinis early on. Yep. And therefore, having Labuschagne batting at four seems a more logical outcome in that scenario. The other point with the Maxwell thing is the, the Quentin de Kock and Maxwell matchup, um, how that panned out when, you know, yeah, Australia got thrashed, but Maxwell yep. bowling to Quentin de Kock kept him quieter than anybody else, eventually got him out. Um, yep. De Kock was... You know, said it himself that he was reticent to take risks against Maxwell because he he rates him more highly as a bowler than others do, and and was was wary about what Maxwell was going to be able to do, um, even though he was starting to bowl in the power play. And and the first time Decock played an aggressive shot against Maxwell in his eighth or ninth over from memory was when he got out, having reached his hundred and playing most of his shots against everybody else. So, yeah, it's just I, I think. The, the question for me is how Australia can try to restrain or constrain South Africa if South Africa get to bat first um, because they've been so effect, ineffective with early wickets. So Stark took a couple early against England and that was key in curtailing their run chase. It's sort of, even though Milan and Stokes played well after that, it, it, it had them sufficiently far behind mm-hmm. the game that they weren't able to catch it up in the end once those two were out um, where, where Stark gets Bairstow and Root early. Um, he hasn't taken early wickets in the World Cup aside from the one in the first over against India where Ishan Kishan slashed one to slip. So that's always been Stark's selling point in 50-over cricket is that he takes wickets early, swings the ball and, and gets wickets up front. If you do that against South Africa, you hurt them more than you hurt most teams. But Australia haven't been able to do it. Bangladesh smacked 76 against them in 11-overs um, opening in, in a dead rubber game, you know, it, almost every team has been able to take runs quickly off Australia at the top um, and where they've been able to pull it back, they pulled it back in the middle overs through a combination of Zampa, yeah. Maxwell, and then Cummins bowling cutters, Hazelwood bowling some hard length stuff. Sean Abbott was really useful um, in the Bangladesh game. He gets yeah. the breakthrough there. He bowled really well at the end of that innings, but he won't get a spot. So they don't have that kind of variation bowler. They've got Cummins having to try to do that job through the middle. Um, and it's, you know, when you've had nine games back to back where, I mean, even the Dutch game, right? They bowl out the Dutch for 90, but the opening partnership was worth about 30 of those. Like even for that little sample size, they've really struggled to curtail scoring up top. And and that's the number one thing you have to try to do against South Africa somehow. And the only other factor in all of this is um, the, the extent that history will weigh on South Africa. Um, You know, it shouldn't. Uh, this is not the same team that took the field in any of the other World Cup semi-finals, and uh, and it shouldn't uh, inform the way they play against Australia. And I'm sure they've put a lot of work into this behind the scenes, but um, it might. Yeah. 
uh, having never made a World Cup final, uh, the trauma of 1999, which we've been talking about a bit on the podcast feed with the documentary that went out a couple of days ago, the magnificent performance they put in in 2015 only to lose in the final over. Um, you know, those who describe their loss to New Zealand in 2015 as a choke don't know anything about cricket. They played a brilliant game and New Zealand played even more brilliantly. It was one of the great one-day internationals and one of the great elimination games in World Cup history. So, um you know that that's that's a that's a huge deal. Mm. If South Africa make this final, much as it was for New Zealand, remember that New Zealand had a similar track record of making semis but not making finals until 2019 when they were able to get over the top of India. So it will be for South Africa, and if they get beyond Australia in this kind of form, like Australia are the form team of these two. Australia, I think, if you were, if you were, um, yeah, the toss will play a massive role. You're right, Jeff, but um, I think Australia should win um, based on where they are in the tournament right now. But um, but if South Africa get over the top of them, um, they might be more of a handful mm. for India. And that's kind of a counterintuitive statement. But if uh, if th- if they're good enough to beat Australia and they have that kind of confidence going into the final, they might be more dangerous mm. uh, come Sunday. That's my other my other thought. Yeah, person. they have they have these wild card players in like Janssen, like Kurtzia, uh, like Klaassen, who yeah. can turn games, and and you only need to do it. Uh, as per the slogan, it takes one day. So so maybe, and I mean, fuck, it would be huge. I mean, in, in a year where they've won the Rugby World Cup, I mean, if South Africa added a Cricket World Cup to that a few weeks later, um, Bavuma leading the side, it, it would be an extraordinary thing. It would mean so much more to South Africa as a country to win this tournament than it would to Australia, where as Australians we would go, oh, yeah, that's nice, won the World Cup. Yeah, good on you, boys. And then that would be it, right, um, compared to the significance it would have in South Africa. Well, there's an expectation with Australia and World Cups, um, and that works for Australia, right? The confidence. That, and a lot of these guys have won one or two World Cups. They've been part of 2015 or 2021. Uh, most of the guys in this dressing room know what it's what, knows, know what it takes to – to perform when the pressure is on. Um, the same can't be said for South Africa. But uh, in that dressing room, a lot of guys who haven't been exposed to a World Cup semi, so maybe that helps them too. Mm-hmm. Um, not many of them were veterans from 2015, the cock, of course, but not not many at all. So, um, yeah, that that's a fascinating postscript to all of this. And, yeah, I agree. If they were able to get over the line and make the final, um, it'd be huge for World Cricket too because they sit outside of the big three. You know, we, we mm. know the financial challenges South African cricket are under. We've spoken about them exhaustively on this podcast. We are fearful for what South African cricket looks like in five years' time internationally, yep. owing to the fact that the IPL is taking over the administration mm. of the game or the funding of the game through the SA20. Or the and and this, mostly. something like this um, could so, change that. Something like this could be, could add the could. incentive to, to say, well, that felt good, didn't it? Didn't that feel good, winning that thing? Wouldn't you like to do a bit more of that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but of course they could run into Glenn Maxwell and the way he's playing, you know. Uh, it, it does make for two tantalising semi-finals. Uh, we're going to be bringing both of them to you for Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City, who have been our brilliant partners throughout all of this. I went to the opening of their ice skating uh, at Christmas the other day, Jeff, uh, and that was a, a really nice thing to see. The massive Christmas tree and so on. So uh, jump on and book your tickets to that. The biggest Christmas tree in Europe and a beautiful ice skating rink there at Westfield London. Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City, more extra, less ordinary. Jeff, safe travels to uh, to Kolkata. Eden Gardens where you'll mm-hmm. be tomorrow. Then on no, Kolkata, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Eden Gardens in Kolkata. Then on to Mumbai after that, where you'll be at the second semi and all the rest of it. And um, we'll be bringing well, Mumbai's first. Uh, the daily edition. 
uh, is Mumbai first. Mm. There you Mumbai's go. I, I don't know how I've managed to, uh, <laughs> after speaking for 25 minutes about the semis, <laughs> get them around the wrong way as I'm signing off and saying goodbye. That's proof that I should hit stop on the recorder. We'll talk to you uh, after uh, the, the first semi-final. Okay. Final. The first one will be Mumbai. The second one will be in Kolkata. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> Sorry if I ran out to M.